Well, James Madison had a decision to make, and it was it was one that they made to bring back the coach who's been there for the last couple of years. We'll get into it today here on a Baseball in the Valley podcast by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, joined alongside by David Driver, the sports editor at the News Record. And, and David, it was something we were all waiting on to see what exactly JMU would do, whether or not they would bring back. Uh, the baseball coach, Marlon Eikenberry, and they opted to do so. And it's been an interesting tenure, really the last couple of years for, for Eikenberry, just because of the circumstances. But the Dukes bring him back on a one-year extension, and that's the big news. That's where we'll start today here on the podcast uh, to, to, make, to keep him as the coach through at least next season. David, what was your initial reaction upon hearing that Ike would be back uh, for, for next year? I guess I wasn't terribly surprised. It does make a lot of sense. I guess to me, what's maybe more surprising is that it's not more than a year. Um, Cause you know, they, they did that last year. And, and I just kind of wonder what kind of message that sends to possible recruits when you're only extending somebody for one year, but, but taking a, a longer view, look at it, having looked at the records before he came, I, I didn't realize how, how the program had really dropped off. Um, you know, their, rec- their records were just before he came were not very good. He, he certainly has improved the, the, on the, you know, the records. I mean, the last two years have been really difficult. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't a two-year extension. I know that would have been a little bit of a gamble for JMU, but I think it might have sent a good message to possible recruits. But I, but I totally understand why it's a one-year extension as well. Yeah, the Dukes were 11 and 17 this spring on 10 and 6 the year before. Obviously, the 2020 season was shortened due to COVID. This year was just heavily, heavily COVID impacted, uh, I think is the best way to put it. JMU, they had two separate long pauses. They had numerous series canceled because of COVID, players in quarantine. And I did speak with Marlon Eikenberry earlier on Thursday. Uh, and what he told me was it just it just was a matter uh, of of not having a a roster fully intact. He told me only one series all year did he have his full starting lineup and and regular roster available to him. And he, as you know, David, that that would be difficult for any club to deal with, whether it's college baseball, county league baseball, or the major leagues. It would be it would be really really tough to to deal with for for Eikenberry. Uh, So I I think to me, uh, I think this is probably the fair thing to do is to give him a year where hopefully COVID is not an issue anymore. And you get to see what he can do with a roster at full capacity and a team that's more equipped to withstand and play a full season. Because remember, they they didn't play a lot of games. Like I said, 11 and 17 this spring. Uh, And you compare that to what uh, some of the some of the schools, even in the CAA, got to play. I think Towson was at fifty something games, Northeastern at forty seven or forty eight, and they represented the CAA in an NCAA regional. To, to me, that's a that's a major major difference. And, and David, if you know anything about baseball, you know it's a sport that's got to be played uh, as as often as possible. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that, and you know, so many times coaches talk about, "I'll just take care of what I can take care of." That that's my program, that's my team. But in this case, you know, he couldn't control um, other programs and their protocol, their pauses, whether it's Elon or 
or whatever. Um, so there were some uncontrollables this year. And I, I'm sure that Jeff Warren and his staff took that into consideration. There's probably a lot of things we don't know about protocol and how things were handled, but you're right. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's one thing if it's basketball and you're playing one or two games a week, but if it's baseball and you're going two whole weeks without playing in the middle of the season, everybody else is getting, you know, four at bats a day and, and your guys are not, I mean, it's, it's even more impressive. Some of the numbers that some of their hitters put up considering they, they went days and weeks at a time without playing. Yeah. It's all, it's all about rhythm and timing with, with baseball. You have to have that. You need it. Uh, and, and hopefully the Dukes and Eikenberry will get that uh, next spring. Earlier this week, I caught up with Travis Reef Snyder, plays at JMU, also plays for the Harrisonburg Turks. But I caught up with him uh, before a Turks game and just asked him what he thought uh, of Eikenberry coming back to this coming back to JMU for another year. Uh, and this is what he had to say. This is Travis Reef Snyder uh, of the Dukes and of the Turks. I'm just happy to have some uh, to continue to have like continuity in the coaching <laughs> staff. Um, I think kind of with. If we were to have gotten a new coaching staff, it would have been a little different. Yeah. A lot of things would have changed. Um, so I'm just happy that we can kind of have these guys back leading our program. And I think that uh, we've definitely taken some steps in the right direction. This year was tough with COVID oh, yeah. and a couple setbacks. But um, I think that we're headed in the right direction. I think this year we're, uh, we're looking to make a big jump. So that was that was Travis Reef Snyder. And, and David, basically what he said was yeah, that he's excited. You know, it keeps staff continuity in place. And, and as we've kind of pointed out, they dealt with a lot of COVID issues. And, and that was one reason why Reef Snyder thinks, at least, that, that they can turn it around next year, that they have the, some of the pieces to turn it around. Well, that, well that's important that, that you, you've got that from a player. And I'm, I'm sure you'll talk to others. I mean, that's, you know, if they're backing the coach, um, things are going fine in terms of off-field issues. I mean, that that's huge. I mean, there was no, we had no hints of dissension or, you know, it was just, you know, on the field that they were underperforming for the reasons we've talked about. But, I mean, if if those players have his back and want to play for him, that's a huge part of this component. Yeah, I, I really think so. And, and just I want to run through some of the other things that he told me about how that situation maybe affected their season. He told me there were times throughout this spring – where he would hand a, a catcher, a first baseman's mitt, about three hours before first pitch because somebody was out due to COVID. There were times where players who were hurt had to play a little bit because they just didn't have enough other bodies available. He said there was a series, Fox Simones, their, their shortstop, second baseman, can kind of play all over the place, had to play with a very injured wrist, ended up having to have surgery on the wrist. Uh, probably only had about four or five swings in him for a whole series uh, because it just they they were without a lot of players, but had to play at least somebody who was capable of getting up there and taking ground balls and swinging the bat. Uh, so there were some unique, unique situations. And if you look at kind of the stats and the numbers, and, and Ike ran me through this, is there were only three really healthy players uh, who played, you know, the most games this year. Hardigan was one of them. Connor Hardigan, who had, a, who had a, just a tremendous year. Kudos to Connor. Uh, Chase DeLauder, the standout outfielder pitcher uh, for, for JMU, kind of the phenom on the team. Uh, and then you throw in Michael Morgan, catcher, utility player. Uh, those three were 
basically the only three who avoided uh, a major a major setback or stint away from the team uh, because of COVID or injury or whatever. Uh, so that to me says a lot about what happened. He did say one issue that, that needs to be addressed this offseason is the pitching. Uh, he felt that the pitching and, and even the catching to some extent wasn't up to par like it's been in the past. So I, I do think that is one issue. He said, you know, that is, that was a very serious problem for the Dukes uh, this past spring. And you can't win if you can't pitch. Uh, and you've got to have a deep pitching staff in college baseball. They, they just didn't have it this year. Yeah, I mean, as we've, we've written about a lot, you know, they had four pitchers drafted in 2019, which is which is pretty amazing for, oh, you yeah. know, to, um, and, and some of them went fairly high. I mean, to have four pitchers drafted from a, from a mid-major is pretty impressive. And in in some respects, they haven't been able to replace those guys, especially in the bullpen, right? I mean, I think he would probably say their depth at pitching wasn't where it needs to be. Right. No, no, no question about it. You're looking at a 6-3-8 ERA. Uh, for the team this past spring. And, and that's just, that's simply not going to get it done. Of course, Justin Showalter wasn't able to pitch until about a month and a half into the season. So they missed Justin Showalter, probably their ace of the staff. And he could be back next year, depending on what happens with the MLB draft and if he signs afterward. Uh, but he, he said really outside of bright spots like Donovan Burke, who was terrific out of the bullpen for them, and and Liam Grubbs, who was good at times for them, uh, pitching wise that, that it really was a tough go of it for the pitching staff. And, and that's got to be cleaned up a little bit. And I, I think that's good. If, if the coach can sit back and realize what things uh, you have to address after a, a shaky season. So the Dukes were 11 and 17 this past spring, uh, 10 and six the year before with the two COVID impacted seasons. And Eikenberry will get the chance next spring uh, to see what he can do. Uh, you know, let's hope. Uh, with a regular season, regular roster. Uh, and I think that will be a fair way to judge uh, whether or not he's, you know, the right guy to lead the program. I think that's probably uh, how Jeff Bourne feels too, if he's bringing him back on a one-year extension. So uh, that's that's the Dukes. And that was kind of the big news of the past couple of weeks is what would happen with Ike. Obviously, JMU, I think, pushed the decision a little bit because of what was going on with softball. You don't want to step on softball's toes uh, with what they did. And I, and I just kind of asked David to wrap this conversation up about Ike and, and the baseball program. Do you see a possibility for JMU baseball to ever reach a national level, maybe not get to the college world series, but be in play for an NCAA tournament bid? Do you see a path at all? Like, like softball has and, and has done a great job taking advantage of. Wow. What a, what a great question. Um, of course, I'm old enough to remember the 1983 trip to, to Omaha for the Dukes. I mean, I, I think in some ways, yes, they certainly have the facilities. We've talked before. I mean, you've got Wilmington and Charles College of Charleston in the same league, further south, good facilities at both of those places. So you're competing against those two schools. But, um, you know, obviously the, the College World Series birth is going to help JMU across the board in recruiting in every sport and exposure. Um, there's certainly plenty of talent. I guess, you know, JMU's in a tough situation. I mean, one hour away is, is Virginia going to another College World Series. They're in a state with two power five schools. So there's, there's a lot of competition. I mean, William & Mary, VCU, similar programs for baseball. Well, so it's very good. Yep. It's just, it's just a, 
it's it's really difficult um, just in recruiting in their own league. I mean, uh, the softball team found a way to do that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you know, we've seen this, you know, Coastal Carolina made a run. We've seen non-Power 5 schools in various sports make it to the top or make it to the final. So you can't say it can't happen. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to say it's, it can't happen. I just say it's, it's a difficult road. You have to catch lightning in a bottle. You have to have a great pitcher like Alexander who can um, put a team on, on her back. So, um, but no, I, I think there is a path there. It's just, it's just very challenging. No, I, I, I hear you there. And the recruiting aspect's interesting too, of how this will impact JMU's recruiting on a one-year deal. Uh, I said he, he probably, him and his staff will be looking hard at the transfer portal now that D1 players can go to D1 schools without having to sit out. So I think that's an interesting aspect and something to pay attention to as the Dukes go forward and, and start preparing for, for next spring. I said something that he'll, he'll also be doing all summer is paying attention to what's going on with the summer leagues and where his current players are at and their development as they play this summer. And that's what I want to turn our attention to now, David. On this Friday, June 18th, uh, the Harrisonburg Turks, they've had a little bit of a slow start because of weather uh, last week. Holy cow, it was one rain out after another. We, we talk about play, trying to get some rhythm to play some games. Uh, they finally seem like they've got it this week as the weather's cleared up here in the Valley. Uh, David, what's been the early impressions of the Harrisonburg Turks in this young Valley Baseball League season? Yeah, well, um, you know, you, you you wrote about this week. You know, I think Bob Weiss is is waiting for some players, right? Um, he's got some players right. coming from Wingate, uh, which won a national championship. It's been a really good year for the Mid Atlantic for uh, for baseball and softball programs. He's got some other players from Power Five schools, so. Um, that's always a component of a, of a summer league team is your roster makeup and waiting for players to arrive and things like that. But, um, you know, you did a really nice story on their the Rutgers first baseman. They, they've certainly got some some good bats and um, I, I think they'll be fine eventually. Yeah, I was going to say that I think they probably have more talent on on this team. Uh, than, than maybe the past couple of Turks teams, J- just in my opinion, in terms of power five, big major and, and good mid-major type of players. Plus you throw in the stars from the D2 school, Wingate, the catcher that's coming, uh, Logan McNeely. He was the MVP of the Division II College World Series. So that kind of tells you all about the player that they're getting there. Then you throw in some of the arms that are coming uh, to the Turks from from some power programs. They'll have two pitchers from Notre Dame join the team this week, is what we told me. Jackson Denny's a right-hander. And then Will Mercer, who pitched quite a bit uh, for the Fighting Irish this past spring. Another team that played deep into the NCAA tournament uh, was just eliminated this past weekend in a Super Regional. Uh, they also have Christian uh, Telly. Uh, out of Oregon, who 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 is coming to join the team? So I look at that and I'm saying, man, this is this is you, you start to throw some talent in there, uh, on top of what kind of you, you know in the quantities of of the JMU kids in uh, Liam McDonald, uh, the pitcher who had a pretty good season, a uh, decent season for the Dukes, and is trying to build on that. Travis Reef Snyder, the catcher, outfielder, uh, and then you throw in Connor Hardigan and. And Bryce Safferwich out of JMU, plus 
Uh, you have the, the player that I wrote about in Thursday's paper, excuse me, in Jordan Sweeney out of Rutgers. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with their roster. They, Bob did a good job uh, this year getting some quality, quality players from some big-time programs. Yeah, I mean, if they can get their their record to 500 and better, and by the time the playoffs comes around, you have a full roster, you know, other team, you know, you never know what happens at the end of the summer. Guys leave to go back to school. So, yeah, I think it sounds like maybe his roster is coming together a little bit later than some of the other teams in the league. Yeah, that's that's what you get for recruiting players on good teams, though, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. That. That's true. And I think that's good, too, when you bring in players from winning programs. I think that only helps, you know, the the energy and the competitiveness. Because sometimes in summer ball, you get kids that are there to get their reps and go home. Uh, but if you get some kids from winning programs, maybe they want to win some games, you know, when push comes to shove and you're late in the summer and you have a shot at winning a, a Valley League title. So I think that's only good uh, for Bob Weiss and company. Uh, so I, they're going to be exciting to watch this summer and see how it progresses with, with such a, a roster full of, you know, some interesting stories and some pretty good players. So uh, that's an eye on to, to keep an eye. That's something to keep an eye on uh, this summer. If you're in the area and you're looking to get out to a game, but don't feel like driving up to Nats Park or, uh, you know, driving to Richmond to see the squirrels. Uh, I think the Turks are a very, very good option to see some quality baseball uh, this summer. David, anything else in the Valley League catch your eye? Yeah, just, um, you know, uh, I was following games Wednesday night. It was it was pretty interesting. Uh, Strasburg had won nine in a row. Um, that streak got stopped Wednesday night. Stanton had won seven in a row, and that got snapped on Wednesday night. Uh, Winchester beat Strasburg in 12 innings. Um, but uh, a really bizarre game Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night was Newmarket at Percyville. Um, Newmarket was winning 12-2 to two going into the last of the ninth. And the Cannons scored seven runs. I think they brought the tying run to the plate. Newmarket ended up winning 12 to nine. Wow. Um, so that was kind of a crazy one to watch. Um, you know, just locally, uh, looking at some stats uh, this week, um, Jalen Lee from Eastern Mennonite is playing for Woodstock. There are a number of Division three players in the league. He is second in the league in RBIs with 11. Um, I think the leader ha- is from Auburn and has 13. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I know it's early, but to have a D3 player, he's having a great year for Woodstock, um, second in the league in RBIs, that, that's pretty impressive. No doubt. And, and and I don't know if you would know the answer to this, but you're probably more qualified than, than me to answer it. What could a strong summer in a Valley League do for a player like Lee in terms of thinking about a pro future when you're playing – pitchers who throw in the ACC and pitchers who throw in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12. Uh, what, what could it do for a player like Lee who, who's probably seeing competition that maybe he hasn't seen before? Yeah, that's a really good point, Greg. In fact, I talked to him early in the year, um, and he was going to go to a semi-pro league up in Canada this summer. Um, the EMU had announced that back in the fall. Well, that fell through pretty much because of visa and COVID issues. So, um, you know, this would give him a chance to maybe sign with an independent league team. Um, you know, if you go back 20 years ago, Eric Kratz, you know, played in the Valley League for Harrisonburg and Waynesboro. He got drafted, and, and we know what kind of career he had. But I think, yeah, for some of these Division Three guys, um, you know, Austin Nicely, who's locally is playing for York in the independent league um, up in Pennsylvania. So this, this might give Lee a chance to say – 
hook on with an independent league team at some point after after this summer. No, that's that's fascinating and, and something uh, certainly worth watching. Uh, keep an eye on Jalen Lee. Great power, too. He's got outstanding power, was one of the D3 leaders in home runs a couple of years ago, and he can swing it with, with the best of them at the D3 level. So cool to see him doing well against good competition. Also locally, David, we've got the Rockingham County Baseball League. They had an opening weekend uh, where they played a couple of games, then they took about a week off and then, then played some more. Uh, what's What's been the early impressions? Defending champion Broadway is 3-0, right? And, and Clover Hills uh, unbeaten as of Thursday. Uh, where, what do you what do you think of of what's going on in the county league? Yeah, it, it is early, but I was I was looking at some scores and run differential um, this week, and, and what what pops out is is the offense. Um, you know, the first I think the first night the pitching dominated, but since then there's been a lot of offense. I mean, Newmarket is just a offensive powerhouse. Um, and, and you know, basically Shenandoah, you right, Newmarket. Yeah, yeah, and they have some really good players. I mean, as we Shenandoah is a top Division three program, and they pretty much have the entire team. So, um, but you know, I, I think yeah, the offense is really around the league is pretty impressive. Like you said, Broadway is three and zero. I was looking at Clover Hill. Clover Hill's three and zero. You know, they were twelve and nine last year. Um, they obviously went through a terrible terrible year to deal with off the field but a lot of those core guys are back um I, I would look out for Clover Hill I mean they made they made the championship series in 2019 which is you know the last full quote, real yeah. Yeah. normal year they beat Bridgewater four four to one in the championship but uh, Tyler Bocock is hitting 455 early on so you know I, I would watch Clover Hill um I, I, they have a core group. Um, the manager, Kevin, is back for his second full year, and that's always going to usually go smoother. So watch watch the Bucks. Yeah, and they'll, they'll get a boost, too, whenever Broadway High School ends its season because then Bryce Suters will join the team at JMU Commit, who's one of the best prep players in, in our area. So yeah. I think that that's something certainly, uh, certainly to pay attention to. And, uh, and, and David, that kind of brings us into our last bit of the conversation here, the prep scene. Broadway's on a roll, and it, it looks like they're going to be the team in our area that's that's if they're gonna if they're gonna play and represent the area, that, that could be the one as this state tournament moves along. Yeah, and I, I know you've talked to Cody before, and uh this this Peter Shine pitcher um Wednesday <laughs> night came out of the bullpen and, and closed it down for them. Uh it's really been fun to read about their team and their approach. And I guess they feel like they have something to prove. So um, great season for Broadway. A lot, and a lot of teams have had a lot of good players this year, but it just seems like Broadway has been able to put it together here in, in the stretch run. Yeah. I, I was reading Cody's story this morning uh, and the gobblers coach, Tim Turner, after they beat Spotswood last night, I thought had a really good quote said, you know, they hadn't been in many close games, and they played a close one last night in the Region 3C semis uh, against Spotswood. And he goes, you know, it was really impressive to see his kids, I guess, play under that pressure and face a little adversity and come through in the end. So that kind of tells you about the team Broadway has. Uh, so interested to see how far they can go, if they can win the Region 3C title game, uh, and if they can go advance into the state tournament. Because th- this area's had great baseball before, uh, and now it's looking like uh, Broadway could be the next, uh, could be the next great, you know, Valley District team uh, at the state level. So 
Uh, that's something to watch here as the prep season comes to a close. But, David, uh, unless there's anything else you want to touch on baseball-wise in our area, I know the Nats are, you know, they're, they're, they're playing a little bit better recently, and they've got the Mets in town uh, for a three-game – or for a four-game series, excuse me, uh, with the doubleheader um, on Saturday. But the Orioles have been abysmal, <laughs> to, to say the least. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap it up? Yeah, no, you, you pretty much hit it. I mean, I guess what stands out about the Nats is their pitching has been really, really good, and they don't have Strasburg and Scherzer. Um, so that, that's been interesting. I mean, the wheels are falling off the Orioles at the, at the major league level while their minor leagues are just having really good success. So, I mean, they're still pointing to the future for that. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of, you know, be an interesting weekend for the Mets and Nats, and uh, we'll see how that series goes. Yeah, it should, should be fun. Let's go Mets. Uh, sorry, sorry to our listeners who are Nationals fans, but too bad. Uh, <laughs> but, David, that'll do it. The County League, Valley League is in full swing. So, like I said, if you're looking to get out to a game but don't want to make a long drive, uh, be sure to, you know, go see the Turks at Veterans Memorial Park and, and go out to the Clover Dome and see the Bucks or, or whoever uh, because there is some good local baseball uh, in our area. I know those folks would be excited to have – uh, you know, new spectators come out and, and see their teams play. Uh, but for David, I am Greg Medea. We'll do one a little bit later, probably next month sometime uh, when I return from, from a hiatus, from, from vacation. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll talk baseball then. But David, thanks so much. Great. Thank you, Greg. For David Driver, I'm Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.